0: Claire FM's Beyond Belief with Stephen Fletcher.
1: It's 9 o'clock on Sunday, the 5th of March, 2023. Time for Beyond Belief. Good evening, Stephen Fletcher with you again for the next hour and we have another packed programme for you. I talked to a Church of Ireland priest originally from South Africa who tells me one of the reasons he came and stays in Ireland is because he loves the weather here. I play two more songs from one of my favourite artists, the singer-songwriter Harry Chapin. And Father Jerry Kenny and I have a very enjoyable chat and try to put the world to rights. And Sister Anne Crowley shares her reflection for the second Sunday in Lent. All that to come with the usual eclectic mix of music. Look out! I think there's too much negativity in the news at the moment So I thought we would start with this From the Jules Holland Rhythm and Blues Orchestra With Rumour singing Accentuate the Positive Welcome to Beyond Belief
2: You got to accentuate the positive and deal in Manate the negative and let you on To the affirmative, but don't mess with Mr. In-between. You got to spread joy up to the maximum and bring gloom down to the minimum. And have faith, our pandemonium's liable to walk up on the scene. To illustrate my last remark, Jonah in the way, Noah in the ark. The negative and let you to be affirmative, but don't mess with Mr. in between. Got to accent, the positive and delay, man ain't the negative and let on To be affirmative, but don't mess with Mr. in between. Don't mess with Mr. in between and the positive and deal in. Renate the negative and let you do the affirmative but don't mess with Mr in between Don't mess with Mr in between.
1: Well, there's something to wash away the negativity there may be around at the moment. It's the Jules Holland Rhythm and Blues Band with Accentuate the Positive. And a lovely voice there from uh, a singer I hadn't heard of before called Rumour. So watch out for her. You're tuned to Beyond Belief on this Sunday evening. Time for this. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> Well, here we are again, sitting in Kilrush, in the, uh, in the what do we call it, the Wild Atlantic Way studio of Clare FM. Uh, cool. We're here, and I'm sitting across the table from Father Jerry. And good news, Jerry, mm-hmm. we have got rid of those mince pies. They've wow. kept, uh, kept appearing, kept, and despite <laughs> my best if- efforts, they kept coming back. And uh, I, I fed some to Colin Flynn, and you've been gallantly eating. They've gone. And the good news
0: is... Hot cross buns are here. I know. There's a sort of a Lenten <laughs> flavour in front of me now, uh, you know, with a cup of coffee. So we, we better be a little bit Lenten and, and in our, our imbibing. Yeah, ma-
1: point, make sure uh, we don't enjoy them anyway. <laughs> and of course, they've been in the shop since sort of uh, uh, the 1st of January, haven't they? We've had hot cross
0: buns available. So. Yeah, that's, you know, it amazes me, I suppose, that to some extent, when I look back at my childhood, I think it would be the same for you. Like, you know, seas- everything was seasonal in the shop but now you go into the stores now and it's all about easter yeah like since January we're they're selling exactly. Easter eggs yeah. you know yeah. so the, the commercial entity is moving us far too advanced I think in some ways I mean by September they'll be looking at Christmas yeah. you know that's right. Yeah. it's 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 a little bit too rapid I think I know? think so
1: and, and that's got implications because in the UK at the moment there are shortages of some vegetables tomatoes peppers things like that which of course we've grown used to being able to buy all year round and Of course, seasons don't seem to rule now, but they are having to because of various things. And I don't know if it's Brexit or what it is, but they claim it's not Brexit. But certainly you find all the shops here in Ireland seem to have all the green grocery that you want. And people are posting pictures from Europe saying there's plenty of here. But in the UK, you're limited to the number of even potatoes now uh, being rationed by some of the shops. And so the point is that we've grown used to having what we want when we want it and perhaps it's no bad thing that we're having to think about seasons and not fly in from morocco or or, or just think of the air miles that's involved in traveling like that exactly. so we're having to get back to basics a little bit
0: yeah and but I, I one of the joys this time of the year for me and i mean i discovered it over the last few weeks really was just the sight of daffodils. yeah it really that really speaks to me that spring is on the way, yeah. and um, I know back in Kilkeel we're doing a little project there on the graveyard for our, the former clergy of and of in, in conjunction with the tidy towns. And last year they planted some daffodil bulbs, and last week I was just walking past it, and suddenly. You know, just the sight of those daffodils appearing out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, it just told you nature. Yeah. We have so much to learn from. And actually, today, the second Sunday of Lent, with that gospel story of the transfiguration, one of the commentaries I was reading on it in preparing for it, just reminded me of that special encounter that the apostles had with Jesus on the mountaintop. God has encounters with us every day of our lives, but maybe sometimes our eyes aren't open to that. Like the encounter of just even sitting down here and chatting with you, Stephen, but, you know, the the wonder of of creation all around us. Like, that's God speaking to us, and and we just sometimes our eyes aren't open to it.
1: Yeah. In Milton Keynes, where I was, of course, I've been dashing to and fro, but I was there until uh, two days ago. In The Verges, someone years ago... Planted crocuses, and the crocuses are just coming up now, and they sort of appeared almost overnight. You suddenly see, and you think, "Wow, you know, spring is really springing." And yes, we've got daffodils as well. But it's uh, amazing how it can really lift the
0: spirits, can't yeah, it? Yeah, you know, it's it's important to sort of that we do appreciate nature because it tells us so much about the cycle of life and the journey of life, and that and the reawakening of earth and i think that's really basic to our whole environmental consciousness you know yeah. and and the care of the earth at the moment that we need to appreciate what is there
1: yes and and when it's there and not try and uh, beat the system by flying stuff in all around the world and artificially heating it and all that so yeah it's um, a lesson for us really mm-hmm. isn't it to just appreciate and of course first of March is the the start of
0: spring officially as far as the weather man's concerned so well, yeah but I think in our calendar in the Celtic calendar we always say February is the beginning oh. of spring well the you weather's know. so much better here Jerry you know <laughs> Of course, Stephen, of course. I'm the Wild Atlantic way. Yeah, now, did you see any northern lights? Did you? I did. I, I, I saw a glimpse of it from my window, actually, when, wow. uh, during the week when I was uh, upstairs. Just a magnificent sunset. But I actually got a picture that somebody took above and done bag of the lighting. Wow man, it is just magnificent. I know. Again, like, this is evidence, like, look, at nature speaks so much to us of the beauty that we have.
1: Yeah, yeah. um, Sadly, it was, um, we were all set to do it, but it was was cloudy, so we missed it. But the number of pictures, because normally it's not that far south, apparently, you can get it in Scotland sometimes and maybe in the north of Ireland, but to, uh, to actually be able to get it down this far south, is very unusual but uh, yeah lots of pictures lots of uh, love and of course now everyone's got a phone that's got a a camera on it everyone can take a picture so uh, it's it's very nice and another
0: sign of God's hand Absolutely and that's what our faith is calling us to do, is just to be aware of that and yeah. appreciate it, you know. Yeah. The the
1: other big news in the week in the UK and in the north of Ireland, of course, is this new Windsor framework or whatever, which seems to be, I won't say universally, but very nearly universally accepted. And everyone's saying it's a, a great solution to... Uh, The mess that, uh, if we're honest, was created by Brexit in the north, particularly, causing great problems. And so that looks as if, please
0: God, that's been resolved and uh, resolved peacefully as well. Yeah, and in fairness, I suppose sometimes we're lib maybe about those that have to work in political life. But it does take a lot of work from the whole agreement of 25 plus years ago and the working that had to be done on that. And now this particular little dilemma that has caused the problems after Brexit. And, you know, it, it does take a lot of effort behind the scene to get the framework right. and yeah. So our prayers should be with the, the people that, are, that do this. Yeah. Otherwise, where will we be, you know? Yeah. You know, we, we
1: just need people of goodwill, don't we, to sit down and be prepared to realise their differences but to see ways to resolve the differences and uh, to work for the common good, you know. That's that's really what they should be doing. and. Uh, let's hope that this is a sign of a a new relationship between uh, uh, the north and
0: uk and europe Funny, that's reminding me I would be doing a lot of work in the background in relation to school management and stuff like that with our Dawson office based in Limerick for the fall region for a number of years. And I've always held that really there's, there's a lot of unseen work that enables a school to open and be a comfortable place in the morning that people never see. The background work of boards of management and putting in place plans for development and ensuring that all things are safe etc., in a school and things like that. And the way I look at it is, that's the oil that keeps the wheel turning. You never see the oil, but the oil is essential. Otherwise, the wheel would stop. I think we do need to appreciate that background work that often is unseen and that we don't take account of but without it and the voluntarism of all the people like that who work on on parish committees and whatever you know it's it's essential because otherwise things will grind to a halt. Yeah and I was reading in one of the papers school principals now
1: spend nearly half of their time on admin and not actually teaching which uh, I suppose it's inevitable really but it seems a terrible shame if they're not actually Pupil facing for the majority of their time, and in, in, they're involved in the
0: office, you know, filling in forms and, and doing all the paperwork. I jokingly say to my friends uh, that we've lived through a time where a new industry has crept up that nobody sort of launched, and it is the industry of compliance. Yeah, and admin. yeah, it just has become a huge part across everything i mean i have it at parish level we have it in in all of our lives where we have forms to fill we have you know it just it's the whole new industry i I
1: know and, and that really is one of the reasons why we're sort of merging into ever bigger groups as example of course the diocese of chewham limerick and killaloo but it means that you can have one specialist to deal with all this compliance business because like you we're now a charity or we're about to become a charity And, of course, all the stuff that goes with that, the forms and the paperwork and the trustees and all the rest, and the average member of the parish is really not wanting to get involved in that. And so you have to get somebody who is gifted at that and it's all part of this reorganisation isn't it, that uh, we're we're having to do in in our church and certainly in in the Killaloo Diocese as well
0: It's in everybody's life I think this whole admin has become just another animal in itself uh, that can eat into our time and we just have to create the space for it and and as you say maybe it means that you have to get specialists in to do certain particular work that before you didn't have to, to worry about but that's the way in which we're, we're living but it has it just struck me like that nobody has actually named this thing called administration <laughs> and self to see well look at this is a live industry in itself yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it would seem to be non-productive. It's not unproductive in as much as you're enabling uh, productive work to go ahead, but you can't sit down at the end of the day and think, wow, that was a good day, I've filled in that number of forms and
0: ticked that number of boxes. This is, in fact, the conversation I had during the week with with a colleague of mine, we were talking around that. The danger with the compliance and with the administration being so burdensome is that very often you see it's it's a sort of a, it's almost like a a box ticking exercise, mm. and the spirit of what we are trying to do can get lost in the drudgery of having to do the administration yeah. and that's where we need to feed our spirit so that we realize well, the purpose why we're doing this is so that the good we have dedicated ourselves to is being achieved you know, we have to get it in context because otherwise it's a very dry exercise and it doesn't make sense. Yeah, but also I fear there's a
1: danger of removing responsibility from the ordinary person in the pew. I'm thinking of safeguarding. Safeguarding is important, let me start by saying that, but however, I find that in the past it's become a box-ticking exercise and I, I think it's important and I always try and stress how important it is that safeguarding is everyone's responsibility in construction years ago i'm afraid we were killing too many people putting it bluntly in construction and i remember going into the large office of a large public company in construction and on the wall there was a mirror big full-length mirror and on it was written you are looking at the person responsible for site safety in this organization and I thought that's exactly what. And I think we should, every church should have a full length mirror and say, you are looking at the person responsible for safeguarding in this church. And because by ticking boxes, people can feel remote from it. Instead of looking around and thinking, well, you know, what's going on there? What's happening there? Not that you should be nosy and interfering, but you should be aware. And, you know, there's a danger with all this that you can get detached from the fact that it's actually you and me. And everyone who's responsible for that. And so, yes, it's all very well to have specialists in all these different departments, but it shouldn't take away from the importance of every individual realizing that it's down to them.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, I suppose that the key, I think, in all of this is, is that we don't lose sight of the spirit of what we are trying to yeah. do, yeah. Uh, be it in, in safeguarding or being. And, and as you say, it, it extends to everybody. Now, there has to be somebody that monitors this, and that is important. Yeah. But it is everybody's responsibility. One of the great things, I suppose, in, in my life and in my journey in, in priesthood, things like that, that I've had, I've learned a lot about the trusteeship of things and the importance of being a trustee and what it means. But again, it's not just a box-ticking exercise. Mm-hmm. It's about the spirit of what being a trustee is, that you, have, you take on responsibility for something that you have given from the past, and you try to bring it in and make sure it's working now, and you have a responsibility of handing it on for the future as well. So there's, it's it's different from the ownership of something. You know, there's yeah. there's a big difference between being an owner and being a trustee yeah. in my book, anyway. Yeah.
1: So, Jerry, well, very nice to see you again. I'm very nice to be sitting down here. And uh, we've had a good chat anyway. Thank oh, you. Oh, as, as always,
0: <laughs> Stephen. We, great. And the coffee is excellent. And, and the Lenten Bond is brilliant. Thank you. We'll see how long these last now. <laughs> Look forward to the next supply. <laughs> next thank month. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> Bye, Jerry.
1: When I was on last time, I played a couple of tracks from Harry Chapin, the American singer-songwriter, who I very much enjoyed listening to back in the 70s, the early 70s. And... As I said last time, his songs were always stories. They always were worth listening to. And uh, I'm going to play a couple of his songs for you. I'll start off with the one that really made him famous. It was probably his best seller, And it's the story of a DJ in America in the 60s. And every town in America had three or four or five commercial radio stations playing different music and a lot of them playing top 40 radio a lot of them playing country music but uh, the djs would sort of move around as their popularity waxed and waned they would have to move around and this is the story of one such man and it's called w-o-l-d
3: hello honey it's me what did you think when you heard me back on the radio What did the kids say when they knew it was their long-lost daddy Oh, Remember how we listened to the radio and I said that's the place to be And how I got the job as an FM jock the day you married me It was two kids and I was into AM rock but I just had to run around it's been eight years since I left you, babe Let me tell you about what's gone down I am the morning DJ at W.O.L.D. Playing all the hits for you, wherever you may be The bright good morning voice who's heard but never seen Feeling all the forty-five going on fifteen. The drinking I did on my last big gig it made my voice go low. They said that they liked the young sound when they let me. Drifted on down to Tulsa, Oklahoma to do me a late night talk show Now I've worked my way down home again near the Boise, Idaho That's how this business goes I am the morning DJ at WOL. Maybe the bright good morning voice who's heard but never seen Feeling all the 45 going on 15 I'm making extra money doing high school, stock I'm the big time And listen what they say to me I got a spot on the top of my head Just begging for a new pay. There's a tire around my gut from sitting on it, But it's never gonna go away Sometimes I get this crazy dream That I just take off in my car but you can travel long 10,000 miles And still stay where you are Thinking that I should stop this jockeying And start that record store Maybe I could settle down If you take me back once more Okay, honey, I see Guess he's better than me Sure, old girl, I understand You don't have to worry, I'm such a happy man Morning voice Who's heard but never seen Feeling all the 45 Going on 15 I am the morning DJ At W.O.
1: Chapin's sad story of an aging DJ on the station W.O.L.D. As I said, so many of Harry's songs are stories and they really deserve listening to. And one of them I'm going to play now is the story of how he met his future wife. Harry met Sandra Gaston, uh, described as a New York socialite who was eight years older than him. They met in 1966 after she called him asking for music lessons and they married two years later uh, just uh, have a listen and Harry tells us about the meeting and about how they got together
3: I come fresh from the street fast on my feet kind of lean and lazy not much meat on my bones and a whole lot alone and more than a little bit crazy the old six string was all I had to keep my belly's still, and for each full hour lesson I gave, I got a crisp $10 bill. She was married for seven years to a concrete castle king. She said she wanted to learn to play the guitar and to hear her children sing. So I'd show up about once a week in my faded tablet jeans with a Full of hobo stories and delapidation. So I tried to teach her a couple of chords and an easy melody, but it always turned out she'd rather listen to my guitar and me. I could hear an old man laughing in the den, playing stuck poker with the boys, while I sang so soft in the living room, too scared to make much noise. One week in the den was dark And she met me at the door And we sat on the couch And we sang and talked Till I could not sing no more The silence kept on building Her eyes grew much too wide And I could hear both of our heartbeats But there was no place to hide She said, I want to learn a love song Another man's wife in the real world life To make this boy a man
1: chapin how refreshing to hear a song that tells a proper story and uh, the words actually uh, make sense and mean something but uh, yeah harry chapin bless him he died in 1981 at the age of only 39 he was on his way to a charity gig in New York State and crashed into uh, an articulated lorry. And uh, the latter part of his life he was very involved with humanitarian projects, particularly world hunger and child hunger, and he spent most of his time doing charity gigs and raising money for that. And uh, he was posthumously awarded the Congressional Gold Medal for his campaigning on social issues, particularly his highlighting of hunger around the world and in the united states so that's a little bit about harry chapin and uh, playing you some of his music and i'll probably do that again in a future program because there's a whole wealth of material that he produced before he sadly died as i say at the age of 39 you're tuned to beyond belief with me stephen fletcher on this sunday evening as we've spoken about before the church of ireland has been making changes to its diocese in the west of ireland The new United Diocese of Tuam, Limerick and Killaloo has been formed by bringing together six former dioceses, including two of our local Church of Ireland dioceses in Killaloo and Limerick. A new Church of Ireland rector was recently instituted in Cloth Jordan in County Offaly, and I've been speaking to the Reverend Gary Paulson, who has just returned to the diocese, having served in Killaloo previously. Well I'm very pleased to have been joined by the Reverend Gary Paulson, the newly installed rector of Clough Jordan in Offaly, just over the border from County Clare, and uh, Gary, you're fairly uh, familiar with this part of the world.
4: Yes, I, uh, I, I'm familiar with the Diocese of Killaloo, um, you, you know, I lived in Killaloo for a number of years and loved the, the area, so it's, it's nice to be back into an area that's quite familiar, just up the road, you know, familiar territory, i say. Uh,
1: and obviously, we can tell from your accent that uh, you're not from Ireland, you're not from the UK. You're from South Africa, and whereabouts in South Africa did you grow up?
4: Yes, I was born in, in, in Cape Town, in the Western Cape, and, and lived most of my life there um that's where we grew up and i uh, loved it you know loved the western cape and i suppose you always love where you're born because that's what you know and what's familiar and uh and i've been living in ireland about uh, just over 12 years now about 12 years
1: yeah and in cape town was it a big family you had how many of you were there there
4: yes i uh, we i just had one sibling a sister she unfortunately died many years ago at the tender age of 35, you know, she had uh, cancer, dreaded disease, and so uh, it just ended up being myself uh, for, for, you know, my adult life, yeah.
1: And were you in the city of Cape Town or, or outside?
4: We were, we were just in the outlying suburbs and uh, then we moved out to the area called the Boerland, which means upper land, basically the wine region, just outside Stellenbosch, which was a lovely, lovely place to, to be. My father was involved in chicken farming, so we grew up in that context. So why I, I love rural island.
1: <laughs> of course. You don't keep chickens in the rectory yet, do you?
4: Well, I'm, I'm it's early days, yes. <laughs> I'm always 2 minded about, about them, you know, about, about chickens and about the other things that want you feeding chickens. They become a target for rats and foxes and everything else, yes.
1: Yeah, and of course, we've got bird flu at the moment as well. So that's a worry. But anyway, so your early days in South Africa, you obviously went to school. And which route did you choose after school?
4: Yes, I grew up in an awkward time in South Africa when there was really, you know, the fighting against apartheid and in, in, in school. School was a challenge. When we started secondary school, we were about 40 in a class. And from my group, only four of us managed to matriculate finish school simply because of circumstances. And then when I finished school, I actually studied surveying. And so that's what I did. I was mainly involved in, in, in the housing industry in the Western Cape years. Was that land surveying or quantities surveying? I did a bit of both. <laughs> I started in land surveying, actually qualified, and then in the company I was, there was mainly housing and I got involved in, in the quantities and actually went back to college. The company then sponsored me. So, so I did a bit of both and so ended up uh, being quantities being my main line of work and yeah, yeah. project management, mainly developments with a, with, with a company.
1: Yeah. And uh, what part did faith play in your early life? Uh, Did it suddenly come as a blinding flash to you? How did it happen?
4: Yes, quite interestingly enough, confirmation is so important for me because when I was 16, I was confirmed uh, prior to that uh, as a family... We would have, I would have never gone to Sunday school. We would have kind of just gone on, on if somebody died or Christmas time, we would go Christmas Eve and, and so on. So when I, the confirmation program goes over a full year, you have to attend classes, etc. And I was 16 at the time, quite mature, I think, compared to how young children are confirmed. And I think that was a positive thing. Because from there, I then started going to to, to, to church on my own and then became involved in the church since then and became involved in youth, etc. Became a youth leader. And so then from that age, I think church became, you know, uh, central to me. My mother actually then got confirmed herself uh, shortly after that as an adult. She was with a different church and got confirmed in the Anglican church as well. And uh, so, yes, we then became a family going to church, and Mm. and faith played an important part in that,
1: yes. Uh, And so from there, you decided to take it further and uh, seek ordination, did you?
4: Yes, I was involved in youth ministry, and one day I spoke to a clergyman uh, saying I want to go, you know, into ministry, etc. I was about 26, 27, that kind of age. I was also thinking of getting married and all of that at the time I, I got married when I was 28. And he said to me, you know, work and marriage, and that's also a vocation, et cetera. So I left it at that, you know, just was involved in, in ministry in, with, with the youth. And, and I was on every committee within the churches as it was and involved in lay ministry, et cetera. And, and I was in my cities and this anchoring, this, you know, about ordained ministry. And I explored it again. And I was a different clergyman and I spoke to him about it. And he said to me, I was, I was wondering when you're going to realize this. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes it takes somebody else to see a gift in you. So, yes, it is. So uh, I, I was only about 40 when I was ordained. So a late vocation. But I think it was also important, you know, for me in my own journey. Uh, in hindsight, I don't regret that. I came in with a maturity, uh, kind of worked in the real world, if that's a, a term. And so it was interesting coming back. because you have that life experience? And you bring that, I think, into the church as well. You know, different skills, management skills, etc., from from the workplace.
1: Mm. You do bring a different perspective, don't you? And I think lay ministry and and late ordination are very good routes to uh, produce uh, people and ministers.
4: Yes, I think we all find our own route, you know, our our own way. And and many of the things, when I reflect on my life, you know, we're talking about growing up in South Africa, and especially the Western Cape where I was, it was such a diverse community in terms of languages, in terms of people and, and so on. And, and Desmond Tutu always referred to it as the Rainbow Nation, you know, with all the spectrums of people. And I think the Western Cape uh, was like that because of the trade routes of people coming around there and people making them, you know, that their homes. And you might know there's uh, 11 official languages besides the others spoken in South Africa. So, I mean, 11, imagine that, you know, you can, you can get documents but each province has, so where I was, there would, would be three official languages, and depend which province, there's nine provinces by 11 official languages. Uh, so that diversity of yeah. people, of religions, of faith, of ethnicities, brings a richness, you know, when you when you look at the world and you come into a context uh, like Ireland. Yeah. You bring that with you and... and Sometimes when people talk about interfaith and so on, I'm strangely amused when they only talk about, uh, uh, you know, interfaith in terms of uh, uh, Christianity. I I remember one man saying to me, you know, uh, what religion are you? Uh, You know, meaning uh, am I Catholic or or Protestant? And I said, I'm a Christian. Mm And, 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 you know, because there the, the would be, for example, when, when I was uh, <laughs> uh, in, in my first curacy, uh, directly opposite the church was a huge mosque. And I remember the, 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 uh, in my curacy, the, the rector saying, you know, we're having this dawn service in the church and huge numbers of people come to it. So it was about five in the morning. And so uh, he said, would you do the exaltant, you know, sing the exaltant? We, we process, you know, the candles and and we, we we do that. And so I said, oh, I'll give it a go. And as I started singing that, across the way, the imam over the microphone started, oh, Allah, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so amusing to me. I saw, and I had to just press on, and the two of us were basically in competition at the same time. It would be strange because people would be, uh, to have the imam in the church, because if somebody died in the community, for example, and people were intermarried, you know, in, in, in that way, so you had Hindus, you had Muslims, you had you know diversity of people, and they didn't find that strange as well. And uh, and as you know in South Africa, even the Anglican clergy are called Father. And and, and so when I would walk in the street, you know whether it, it was a Muslim or a Hindu or whatever the church they belong to, because there's so many denominations, more than twenty. Uh, they would know you say hi, father. How are you? And so I would just be father in the community.
1: Mm.
4: So you come with that richness, um, I, I think, to a different context, and and hopefully, you know, you 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 bring that little bit of flavour. Yeah. Uh, uh, Absolutely, the part as such.
1: Yeah, mm. so there you are. You're serving your ministry in in Cape Town in your first curacy, and when did you decide to come to Ireland?
4: Uh, Limerick and Kilaludais has formed a link with Saldana Bay. Cape Town uh, diocese split into three. So I was ordained in the cathedral in Cape Town and had a lot of my time there. But so I ended up in a, in a region called Saldana Bay. So it was still just part of the suburbs of Cape Town, but the stretch as far as the Namibian border. So when I say a region, I'm talking about seven, 800 kilometers, you know, distances are different uh, there. So Saldana Bay, uh, which was part of Cape Town, formed a link with Limerick and Killaloo. And I was on the link committee and ended up uh, being uh, the chairperson of, of that. And so uh, Bishop Trevor Williams came to, to, to Cape Town or you know, to Saldana Bay in 2009 to formalize that. And Robert Warren was the Archdeacon and his wife and, and, and somebody by the name of David Tuff, you might know. They came over to Cape Town and his wife, Jackie, And so I hosted them in a place called Pal, where I was at the time. And so we were just chatting, and I had a visit booked to to Cape Town as well. And I said, I'm really interested in ministry. And Robert said, there's a vacancy. I'll send you the information. And the rest is history. Very good. I ended up in in Ireland, you know. uh, I thought I was coming to just explore and I was interviewed, etc. And the same night, the bishop said, see me in the morning and said, I'd like to appoint you as rector. Very
1: good. So uh, a big change for you then. I mean, not least because the weather in South Africa, I imagine I've never been there, is uh, a bit different from uh, the west coast of Ireland.
4: Yes, where I when I stayed was Mediterranean, so I think you have distinctive seasons. The winters are very similar, I would say, very cold, and you, you have with the snow and so on. But the summers would be much hotter, so you'd have distinctive seasons. And I find in Ireland the kinds of blends, you know, somebody once said to me, you know it's summer in Ireland when the rain gets warmer. <laughs> but... Um, I I love the weather here yeah, because I don't like the extreme heat actually personally. So uh, I enjoy uh, the summers here yeah, because you have beautiful days, uh, you know, and 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 long days etc., which is lovely. So I I one of the things people say why did you come to Ireland and say for the weather because when you have thirty five to forty degrees for Four or five months, you know, it's fine when you're on holidays for one week or two weeks, but when you live in that every day, I remember in South Africa we used to wear all the vestments, you know, so you have your shirt and you have, you no, know, you have an alb and then you have a chasuble, etc., and you'd just be dripping with perspiration. <laughs> the very northern hemisphere vestments were worn. Um, and I'd often just wear shorts under, you know, short uh, trousers under that and, and sandals, you know, and, and usually just a T-shirt without the, all the, because you just couldn't stand the heat and it would not be unusual to wear two or three shirts in a in in a day because mm. it was just so hot. Mm. So no, I I enjoy the weather and I enjoy the summers here yeah, and, and they're just warm enough and they're just hot enough and they're beautiful days and so... I think, uh, you know, the extreme, I went back, uh, you you know, recently, I had a bereavement, my own mother died, and went back to the funeral just a few weeks ago, and it was so hot, you know, being in the church there, and uh, I I went, uh, you know, in my Tie and obviously the f- formal wear, and I noticed so many people in the congregation just had on short trousers and sandals and very practical. And mm. I was there dripping with <laughs> perspiration.
1: <laughs> You'd become Irish and a foreigner, hadn't you? In- That's right. Yes, you
4: know, I, you you do, you do adapt. You don't realise until yeah. you go back. You yeah,
1: know? yeah.
4: Uh, that, I, uh, like I said, I think I've come and I've bring influence Ireland, but I think Ireland influences me as well. Mm, mm. You have that, you you know, uh, reciprocal relationship, isn't it? Yeah. So you're you're now rector of Cloth Jordan.
1: Um, Tell me a little bit about uh, Cloth Jordan.
4: Well, it's literally only weeks now. I'm still finding my feet. I only have internet since last week. So I, I'm, it's, it consists of five churches. Uh, one is only open up in summer from May till September. There's Temple Harry. The other four churches are open uh, each Sunday. And uh, one week I do three of them and the other week I do two. So that's the, 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 the rhythm here and just discovered that the name Clog Jordan means stone. St- Clog means stone, and there was a stone brought from Jordan at some stage by some prince or or, or some dignitary here yeah, into the castle. And they say the stone is still held in, in something there in, in, in the eco-village. I haven't seen it yet. But apparently that's the name where it comes from, Stone of Jordan. And there's some link still with Jordan, Yeah, So they say, I think it was used as a keystone in, in the building. And I, I don't know if it was during the time of the Crusades or whatever, when they, you know, were there and, and, and fighting. Mm. But I'm, I need to find out more about the history. And so it seems to be an interesting place. It has the eco-village, you know, and, and a bit of diversity to yeah. it.
1: Well, Gary, thank you so much for joining us this evening. And we do wish you every success in your ministry in this Church of Ireland new diocese that, of course, you're very familiar with, because this is where you first came when you came to Ireland in 2009.
4: Just lovely to be back in what is familiar and familiar territory and back in the area. And so, yes, it's early days and looking forward to my ministry back in what is familiar you don't realize, because when I came to Ireland, I came to this diocese, and yeah. when I moved to Formoy, it felt very strange, <laughs> you know, the rhythm of things, the rhythm of people, the way the diocese works. You would imagine it would be so different on such a small island, but it it is, you know. I find over a small distance it can be quite uh, diverse, even accents changes, you know, from one one
5: region
1: to another yes yeah well of course cork is fairly unique in its accents but uh, well uh, reverend gary thank you so much for joining us and uh, filling us in as to uh, your journey your journey of faith and your journey all the way from south africa Uh, we do wish you every success and every joy in Clock jordan and uh, we look forward to hearing from you during your ministry as well
4: thank you very much thank you for the chat
1: Well, as usual, I like to ask my guests for a favourite piece of music. And here's the Reverend Gary's Choice The Rose by Bette Midler. Bette Midler, and it's the choice of my guest this evening, the Reverend Gary Paulson. Time now for Sister Anne Crowley with her reflection for the second Sunday of Lent.
5: Lent calls us to our inner room, to our desert place, If today you hear God's voice, soften your heart. Listen to the voice of God, the still, small voice that waits and whispers within, calling us to return, calling us to faithfulness, calling us to begin again, calling us to our journey back to God. Recognize your frailty. Come back to God with all your heart. Fast from what keeps you from loving. Look with kindness on all of life. Be people of good news. There is more to life. We have miles to go. Be open. Be gentle. Be still. Welcome Jesus into your heart. Let Jesus strengthen you. Let him remove the greed and selfishness. Let Jesus challenge you. Let him lead you to choose love, life and God. In every moment, God gifts us gifts of courage and healing, gifts of wisdom and love, gifts of growth and change, gifts of new opportunities Gifts of insight and understanding Lord, I love my desert places For it is there your treasure dwells There I will seek you and find you
6: At the end of the day Just kneel and say Thank you my work and play, I've tried to be good. For I know that I should. That's a prayer for the end of the day. And when the new dawn begins to break, Just lift up your eyes, let your heart awake Be ready to meet what the day may send And be ready to greet every man as a friend Nobody knows what a power you've found So do what you can for the others around Carry them high When they seem to be low As on your way you go At the end of the day Just kneel and say Thank you, Lord, for my work and play I've tried to be good For I know that I should That's my prayer at the end of the day And say, my way. I've tried to be good, for I know that I should. That's my
7: prayer at the end of the.
1: Daniel O'Donnell at the end of the day and it brings our show to a close this evening my thanks go to our guests the Reverend Gary Paulson and Father Jerry Kenny and our musical guest Harry Chapin but as ever I thank you for being with us this evening Remember you can listen again by going to the Clare FM website and clicking on the catch-up tab. And you can join us for Sunday prayer at a quarter to eight next Sunday morning. And again, beyond belief, we'll be back next Sunday evening at 9 p.m. Until then, this is Stephen Fletcher wishing you a joyful and a peaceful week. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Slorn Akaspanaked.